Hey guys, welcome to the app. This is the first episode and I'm Wilson. I'm an Asian Australian that grew up in Sydney and this podcast is going to be all about my experience growing up in Sydney in Australia being an Asian and never really seeing someone like me in popular media, in walks of life in Australia where I felt represented. And this podcast is hopefully going to showcase some of the experiences that I had growing up as an Asian Australian. And I think when I grew up, the media was very American. Whenever I saw an Asian, it was very Americanized. And I think I like to see more representation. And I thought this podcast platform was a perfect space for me to you know, provide that representation and provide that voice. And some of the stuff I'm going to touch on in this podcast include unique experiences that Asian Australians go through, such as applying for selective schools and tutoring and choosing very specific universities to go to and very specific uh, university degrees as well. Uh, Some of the other things I'm going to touch on are like family and how they set some really unrealistic expectations on us growing up and how we manage some of those expectations. Um, I'm also going to be touching on things that are a little bit heavy, like um, racism and discrimination. I think most Asian Australians grew up feeling just a little bit different to their peers, whether it be in a school setting, with their friends, um, and even growing up and going to high school or going out or things like that so i'm really hoping this podcast can be a voice a single voice in the podcast community that will not necessarily represent all of the asian australians in society but one additional voice um so why am i doing this it's mostly for fun i think it's a little bit outside my comfort zone doing something like this Um, hopefully I can, you know, get better at it, but at the same time, I want to discuss some of the more serious issues and provide a voice that is lacking once again in society. Two of the things that inspired me to do this was the first being the subtle Asian traits page that was, that exploded at, um, I think a while ago now and has been taken over by Americans, but. It was started with a bunch of Melbourne Australians, Melbourne Asian Australians that shared their Asian Australian experiences uh, with the community and then realized how big the community was, um, obviously exploded. So for me, that was pretty inspirational. Um, And another figure that kind of inspired me to do this was um, the YouTube star, My Chani. So he would do funny videos on, you know, growing up as an Asian Australian and how he would get punished by his parents. And so I think I really want to use this platform to extend those discussions beyond memes and funny videos. I think long-form conversations in podcasting form is very important. I think I can use this space to elaborate on some of those memes and videos that are put out about Asian Australians and what they really mean in like, what it actually represents beyond something that's funny. So this first episode is 
going to be touching on something that really defines an Asian Australian growing up in Sydney, in Melbourne, in Australia, I think. Um, and that's trying to get into a good high school, uh, whether that be a selective school um, or a private school if your parents had money or even if they didn't have money, they'll send you there anyways. Um, so this is a big topic, I think, that I wanted to start on. I think it's something that's uh, pretty defining for an Asian Australian's identity. Everyone that I know that's, you know, grown up here uh, has some form of tutoring, you know, extracurricular studying, not activities, but extracurricular uh, form of enhancing their education um, outside of the normal education system which is what i find really interesting because a lot of people have you know a lot of their parents have no faith in the school system and feel as though their kids not getting the same support or they're just not as competitive as the other kids so they definitely need to you know send them off to tutoring and so i think the definition of tutoring or the reason why people go tutoring well for asians and Asian parents pushing them to go tutoring is because not not because they're falling behind per se it's because they want to be ahead of everybody else because everyone else is tutoring so I think this is a super interesting topic for me because it's shaped my life um, ever since I was a super young age, young age. Um, so it shaped me as a young person um, and some of the skills that I learned when I was during this age I continue to use throughout my life and I find super valuable and for those going through the same process right now it might be super hard for you to see oh why do I have to do this why can't I just do something creative this that uh, but you know you realize later how much of these skills are transferable into your different parts of your life um, but yeah but at the same time I think I should point out that everyone's perspective is different on this I think some people feel like it's been a hindrance on them. Some people feel as though, you know, it's really supported them later on. But uh, we'll touch on that later on. But I'm going to give everyone a little bit of context about when I was younger, what I went through, um, and maybe some of you guys can relate to some of these experiences or maybe had a little bit different experience. So I know for myself, my first experience of doing extra homework was I think about year two so I would have been about eight years old or maybe even younger than that seven maybe in year one where I'd have these homework books or these exercise books that my parents would buy above what the school was given me um, and I'm sure most of you guys did this when you grew up um, where it's just extra books that had you know maths questions or English questions or writing what have you or GA for example so I remember doing these exercise books uh, on top of what the school already gave me admittedly I think most Asians are going to tell me that you know primary school was a piss take so I mean none of the homework was ever hard I mean it, it consisted of really basic you know kinds of questions that catered for a wide range of students which is important to cater for, you know, the slowest or less experienced student. 
in order to, you know, you're, you're as strong as your weakest link. So you need to build your weakest student before you can enhance better students. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say is like uh, most of us would have experienced doing these homework books in addition to our school books, which to be honest, it wasn't that big of a deal. They weren't super difficult, but what was difficult for me personally was having to watch my friends who weren't Asian, um, you know, do extracurricular stuff like playing sports after school, doing things which were very fun. You know, even just being able to play at the park after school was something that I enjoyed very, very occasionally. And, you know, my time after school, my after school activity was limited to getting driven home, doing homework books or eating a little bit of food and then going in to do, going into my room to do homework. Um, and I never got to go, you know, to my friend's house after school, even if I was invited because I, at a young age, had responsibilities beyond playing somehow, which at that point in time, when you're nine years old, you, you know, you resent your parents for it because you're like, well, why can't I play with my friends? They invited me over to swim. And it's, it's hard for a kid to absorb the wider context of why you're doing something. You just see a short-term benefit when you're doing things. So, you know, it was a really hard uh, period in my life that not not so much a hardship, but I remember very vividly when I was younger that, you know, I was really frustrated at my parents and why can't I play after school, you know? So that was a really interesting period and I did a lot of homework. Um, and so that would have been between the periods of what, year two to four-ish. So the turning point would have been in year five, when my parents were like, okay, you're ready to go to tutoring now, or we're ready to send you to tutoring to prepare for the selective schools. And I know that some of my listeners would have went even earlier than this. So their replacement would have been, you know, replacement for homework books would have been tutoring. So, um, so they would have been tutoring since year three, for example. I only started my tutoring process in year five. So actually going to a center paying money, tutoring for the English, maths, general ability and writing. So all of the key exams in the selective school test. So that started in year five. And I think because I had an older brother, I think I didn't need that much convincing to go. So I wasn't as I wasn't unaware or unfamiliar with having to go tutoring because I watched my older brother do it three years earlier. You know, I understood, or not so much understood, but I've seen it before. And if you've seen it before, you, you know, you're familiar with it, so you're not as scared. I was actually pretty excited because it was better than doing homework books, right? I would be sitting at home doing homework books, and then, but then in a tutoring classroom, you know, you get to see kids from different schools. So there was a level of excitement there, um, and then you meeting new kids and playing with new kids and. Um, so that was okay. It wasn't that terrible. I think for me, for my journey, I think when I was in year five, I couldn't sit still. I couldn't sit still for the life of me. I was a really active kid. I love running around, uh, but I definitely couldn't sit still and do homework for, you know, an hour straight. Probably do it for like 25 minutes and have to get up and walk around and 
so I, I couldn't sit as still as my brothers, so I definitely was not as smart as my brother, so, and this kind of hit me really hard, because when we go to tutoring, they make you do a little test before they put you in a class to see what ability you have, or um, I remember doing these tests at these tutoring centers, and uh, my brother would beat me in every test um, by not not a heap, but he'd always beat me. And it was this kind of turning point in my life where I kind of went, "Wow, he is better than me," and I'm really I'm a really competitive person, so that was a big shock to my system. So we did plenty of tutoring then. I think we did for up until the selective test, obviously. And it got more and more intensive. So I think there was a period right before the test. Uh, we did five days a week and then one. So every day after school, we do like an intensive writing class. And then on Saturday would be like the big class of like um, two to three hours of every every topic. So we did that. Um, I remember because my parents were at work, I'd have to walk from my school to the you know, two suburbs away. It was really difficult because uh, me and my brothers used to walk to the tutoring and then be like, oh, this is brutal. Like, you'd have a whole day of school, you know, whether it be a good day or bad day, you still have to, you know, walk to tutoring and have, like, one one or two hours more of tutoring. So, um, yeah, brutal. But it was it was good. I mean, as in good in in hindsight, it was good. So that happened. Um, we did tutoring in year five to prep for the selective test, and for my journey, I actually didn't actually get in, so, and my brother did, so that was another big shock to my, um, I guess, little life back then, my whole 12 years of my life, I was getting shook once more, even though I didn't get in, um, that was okay for me, I think, it really helped me define my personality. Um, if anything, it built a lot of resilience in me that I'm going to touch on a little bit later in high school, which I think I've got a little edge over my brother on. Year 6 happened, so you do the test in the beginning of year 6, I think, and you've got the rest of the year, and like in my mind, I was like, hectic. I don't have to do tutoring no more, I don't have to do anything, but... As an Asian, you don't stop doing homework books, you know. My parents were like, yeah, you should start preparing for year seven. And, you know, I remember having an argument with my parents, like, what's going on? Like, why can't we have a break? You know, we, we've we done tutoring for a year now. And, like, what do you mean I have to do homework books? Surely I can go over to my friend's house more often now and just play. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, and I still had to do you know, Chinese school on the weekend, so that was brutal, like, but yeah, I, I guess we got over it, and you, as a kid, you couldn't really do anything about it, so in my mind, I thought it was going to be a free year, but it turns out it wasn't, in year seven, I went to my local high school, uh, so that was with all my primary school friends, so I guess that wasn't too unfamiliar, and my older brother was there too, so that was pretty cool, I didn't feel, you know, alone, I'm not at home, so Year 7 was an interesting time. I think everyone grows up a little bit in Year 7. For me personally, I think I was a pretty different person once I hit Year 7. 
So in year seven and eight, my parents didn't send us to tutoring. They didn't see much of a point. They didn't see, you know, there wasn't a big exam coming up. But I do know of people that, you know, continue to tutor, whether privately or uh, in tutoring centers. So in year seven and eight, I didn't do any tutorings. That was good. Um, Didn't do much homework books either because school had a lot more subjects and therefore homework. In year seven, I think there was a subconscious drive in me because I was the first time I've been separated from my own brother. Um, my and he went off to a selective school, and you know there was a very very clear contrast between how smart he was and how smart I was. You know, and I think subconsciously I tried really hard at school um, to do well and to reapply for a selective school. So I did that, and I knew that I needed to work really hard. I needed to do, you know. Um, some extracurricular stuff um, to, you know, be a model student. Uh, I applied for the school my brother was at and I got an interview one afternoon um, and I was fortunate enough to be taken into that selective school. So that was cool. Um, I don't really remember that much from year 7 and 8. I think, you know, I got vague memories of meeting a lot of new people, a lot of different people. A lot of much older people. So when you're in year seven and eight, you feel tiny, right? So I did feel tiny in when I was in year seven and eight. So that was okay. I think when I got into my brother's selective school, there was another shock for me because I did really well back in year seven. Um, you know, homework was really easy. The exams were really easy. So um, I didn't, you know, I didn't necessarily compete with many people so when I went to the selective school you know I was put into some classes and there were some really really smart people there so I was kind of taken aback because I was like wow you know you go from doing really well at school doing you know top five in every class to being you know in the middle and then some classes even you know towards the bottom so that was a big shock to me uh, but once again, I built my resilience and helped me understand that in order for me to be good at something, I need to work hard. So a really good lesson for me that I learned early on because, you know, it doesn't come easy, right? You don't, what I, what I realized really early on, what I understood that was you don't become good at something just because you think you're good at it. Okay, so when you're a kid, you think if you are really, really good at something, you think it's natural and you're just amazing at it. But I think personally, you're probably influenced as a young child or by your parents. And that's led you and they provided the environment, the tools and the resources that's enabled you to become that person. For me personally, I think... You know, seeing myself work really hard at in year seven translated into results. And I took that lesson over into year eight so that if I try really hard in year eight, then I'm going to do much better later on. And I think that was a really important lesson for me because that I learned really early on 
that some people may not necessarily learn until later because if you cruise through things and you're just so good at it naturally when you encounter a situation where you become not as good or just someone that's average that's a big shock to you because you've always been really good at it or you know really good at something or really smart for example and when you are denied something and you haven't experienced that before that's a new experience for you and if you don't know how to react to that properly or you know comfort yourself or encourage yourself it's it's a pretty daunting experience so doing when when I did when I was able to do that at such a young age you know in when I was what 14 years old to say okay you're not great at it how do I get great at it and that's something that I learned really early on so so in year 7 and 8 my parents had you know less say because there was way more subjects and you know they couldn't really you know, do anything. All they could really say was, oh, are you doing homework? Couldn't really be specific about it. So, definitely less control. So, enter year 9 and 10. Uh, I think that's the year that most people, most schools have electives where you choose some sort of elective subject. Um, and I think there was a, for me personally, I was pretty lucky. I had my older brother who knew about the process and could steer us in the right direction to do an elective that we might enjoy or might be useful later on so he was less lucky because our parents didn't have any idea you know about electives i remember there were elective nights where you go in and listen to it but you know my parents were always working so obviously we never went so my brother had to work that out all on his own but fortunately enough for me and my other brother we you know took the lead from my older brother so we were able to see which subjects would enjoy more or which subjects would enjoy less or be less useful. So this was a pretty interesting year. I think we started tutoring in year 10. Most people do it in year 9, I think, because that's when the math starts getting interesting or tutoringable. That's <laughs> not a word, but I feel like that's when you can start accelerating the maths that you're doing. So if you're in year 9, you do year 10 maths or year 11 maths instead of doing the actual year 9 maths at school. That's what I mean by tutoring a bull. So I didn't start tutoring until year 10, but most people do it in year 9. So year 9 and 10, you start to have ranked classes, ranked math classes, I know, um, in my school. So that's when it gets a little bit competitive. I think that's when people started going, ooh, I want to do well. Not everyone does, but some people do. So, big transition in people's lives. I think some people start tutoring again. Well, I started tutoring again in year 10. Um, By this point, um, in year 10, my brother and I actually changed to another selective school. Um, So, that was a big change for us. We had to travel a little bit longer. There were some really, really, really switched on people there. So... Uh, they were really motivated, had a lot of good basics, and were surrounded by a lot of really smart people. 
And I just want to use the opportunity to say that I think the best thing about a selective school is the people that you're around. It's not the teachers, unfortunately. It is 100% the competition around you that motivates you and that drives you into doing better. Your peers' competitive nature against you in the selective school is a much bigger motivation to do better or do well than anything your parents could say or anything your, your teachers could say. I 100% believe in that because going through, you know, two different selective schools, what enabled people to do well was those around them. Being able to engage with people that were just as smart or if not even smarter than you provided you tools and resources to be a better student. Um, It also enabled you to be, you know, more proactive or have access to more information that you could use to be a better student. So year 9 and 10 was pretty interesting. Um, Year 10, I started tutoring, as I said before. I think I only did maths tutoring at that point in time. Yeah, I think because I was at another selective school, I had to go through another transition phase where, you know, I was ranked at the bottom of the class, had to climb through, you know, different people um, and different ranks. So once again, another test of resilience there. So that was pretty interesting year for me, Uh, you know, and going through the normal teenage you know, boy stuff. So that was a fun time. Um, so year nine and ten, uh, in terms of selectives, in terms of academics, it was you know it, it, the competitiveness ramped up. I think a lot of people started switching on, started going, "Oh, I want to do well." You know, like, "Oh, I want to," um, you know, be better than this person at this, or I want to be, you know, I want to learn this better. So that was an interesting year. I think it ramped up a lot. And I think most of the kids that do exceptionally well, I'm saying most, not all, will typically have their groundwork built super strong in these years. So if you're in year 9 and 10 and you're listening to this podcast, these are the years that you need to switch on. Flick the switch. And realize the foundation that you make in these years make an enormous amount of difference between how much you need to study in year 11 and 10. It is so important to be working on your foundations now. An example of this is the year 9 and 10 maths that you do now. What you absorb in this period will provide you an enormous amount of benefit for the maths you do in year 11 and 12. So it's super important for you to focus and hone in on these skills. Now, I'm not saying that, look, if you mess up and don't do anything until year 12, 
you can still be super successful. You can still get a really high ATAR, right? But it would just be super hard, right? So I, I know someone that barely did or was really struggling at school up until year 11. And something happened in their life and they flicked a switch and did amazing, did really amazing. Got a state rank even. But I'm saying, if you want, you know, not such a hard journey, the years of 9 and 10 is where you build your foundation. So year 9 and 10, super important years. Moving on to 11 and 12, this is where it gets serious, right? This is where you pick these subjects that you transfer into year 12 and essentially defines the subjects you will eventually do in for your HSC. So, this is another year where you start tutoring for more stuff, I think. I think, I did a bit of English tutoring in year 10, but not much. Um, but mainly, the main focus was maths in year 10. I think when people reach 11 or 12, they can begin to tutor for things like science subjects, like, you know, chem, bio, phys- uh, physics. Um and obviously a more heavy focus on other subjects. So, year 11 and 12 was pretty interesting for me. I did math tutoring and I did English tutoring. So I only did social science subjects, so I didn't touch any of the science. I was like, finish year 10 science, and I'm like, yep, that's it, sacking it, 100%. Not very good at it, Um, and just didn't really enjoy it. Just wasn't my thing, so I sacked it. I really enjoyed doing commerce in year 9 when I did that as an elective. And I was like, okay, commerce is kind of similar to economics, legal studies, and business studies. So I did that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, so I tutored, obviously, as I said before. I think in this year, I really, for me, that's when I flicked my switch to going, yep, tutoring is for me. Now, I want to stress the difference between tutoring for yourself and tutoring for your parents. Most people understand this as they come of age and realize that, hey, wait a minute, I should be, when I'm going into tutoring, I'm doing this for myself. So that's a pretty interesting thing. I think not a lot of people understand that until a later stage. It really depends on your parents, I think if they're able to guide you and explain to you the wider context of tutoring and what it is about, then they've done a good job. Some parents do less of a good job with this and they send their kid to tutoring and expect good grades and continue to whinge about how much money they've spent on your tutoring. And all you hear is, oh my god, I've spent so much money on you, you should do really well now, why are you not doing really well? Without telling them or explaining to them what tutoring is all about, right? It's about enhancing your existing level of education in order to be competitive with your peers. It's as simple as that. Being able to learn things sooner, better, and earlier than other people 
allows you to do more practice, allows you more time to learn harder concepts and therefore apply those concepts later on in a better way than your peers. And you're doing this all for yourself, right? All of it is for yourself. But most parents don't explain this. They don't give you the why. They just go, everybody else is doing this. It's good for you. You need tutoring. You need to get a good job later. You got to do well now. That's all they say, right? And every kid hears that. And every, every kid hears that from their teachers as well, right? But they don't, the message does not sink in, right? You need to explain what it is about tutoring that is going to help them, right? You've got to go that extra step. Obviously, tutoring is about learning new things, right? But why are you learning those new things? What are those new things going to do to help you? So, back to me. Um, year 11 and 12, I tutored, flipped the switch between understanding. I didn't, I didn't really, to be honest with you, I didn't really understand the key skills that I would build, but I understood the wider context and tutoring was really for me. And if you know that tutoring's for you, then you're halfway there. So focus on that. I think if you're in that process right now and you're going through this phase and you're absolutely hating it, you don't know why you're doing it, you'd much rather be doing something else or you don't even know what you want to do, focus on the system that you're in, the inescapable system that you're in. And to be honest, I think you're in a very fortunate system if you're lucky enough to be an Asian Australian in Australia studying and your parents have given you the opportunity to go to tutoring to enhance your skills. Some people don't have that opportunity. Then you should take that opportunity, absolutely kill it and use everything that you've got to do well and then if you want to do something else in uni, which you have the opportunity to do, then you'd have all of these skills that you've built up in high school that you can use now, that you can exploit. You know, this first podcast, I think I touched on all different years growing up, going to tutoring, having parents that force you to do things that you don't really want to do, that you don't really understand. The other thing that I wanted to touch on is the pressure that your parents give. We all know that working under pressure allows us to perform better. And being able to handle this pressure was such a difficult thing for me in high school. There was so much pressure for me because... My older brother did exceptionally well in his HSC. And he raised the bar really high. I remember one of the phrases that, you know, I would use or motivational quotes per se is what I first heard and I thought really applied to myself. And that was to shoot from the moon and you'd land among the stars. And I still go back to the period where there was an immense pressure from my parents, school, and myself. Ultimately, myself, the most important pressure. 
And I still look at that period of time in my life and think, wow, that really shaped everything that I do now. And I think if you're facing this pressure now, if you're going through this right now, my advice for you is take all of that pressure in your life, take it all, write it down in a piece of paper even. Write it all down, what it is that's pressuring you, and use that as energy. Use that as an energy source for you to drive yourself, to excel yourself into the person that you want to become. I was not concerned about what other people thought. I was concerned about what I wanted to achieve. And the minute you can flick that switch to realizing all of the pressure around you doesn't matter, the only pressure that does matter is the one that you put on yourself. If you're able to do that, then there's nothing that's going to stop you. Because the minute you realize that the pressure around you is superficial, I mean, your parents care and your teachers care, but if you do amazing, then that's yours. If you do terribly, that's also yours. If you do an average job, that also belongs to you. So what I'm trying to say is the success or the failure is always going to belong to you. And therefore, the pressure will always centralize to be the pressure from you. But I guess my key message is focus on what's important. And that is what it is that you want to achieve. And if you haven't figured that out yet, Focus on developing those skills. Focus on building the best foundation for yourself to enable you to achieve the goals that you figure out later on. Because I don't think, I think 99% of students in high school don't have the next steps figured out. Right? There's 1% that knows exactly what they're going to do next. 99% of us had no clue when we finished what we're going to do next. But what enabled people to later on figure out what they want to do and be good at those things is the foundation that they built during this period of time. And a super important part of building this foundation came from the tutoring that you did. And it's just the full cycle thing. And I think that is so funny that we grow up resenting our parents about not being able to play, doing, you know, being absolutely different to our peers. This, at the end of the day, becomes full cycle. And it's now been something that's enabled me to do the things that I want to do because I went to tutoring, right? I mean, it's it's really interesting. I can do 
things that I can do now because of the tutoring that I did early on that's restricted some of the stuff that I couldn't do. But as an adult now, as a young person, there is so much that I can do because of the tutoring that I did. And I hated it. Absolutely hated it when I was younger. But being able to flick that switch, figure out the pressure, figure out why you're doing it for yourself, and let it shape you. So hindsight is really 2020, and realizing the skills I developed was super important. But at the same time, the attitude that you figure out as a kid, as a teenager, really shapes where you're going next. And there was so much sacrifice there when when you're younger. And I'm not talking about, you know, your sacrifice as a kid, not being able to go play and sacrificing that. I'm talking about your parents' sacrifice. And I'm super grateful for my parents' sacrifice when I was younger. They, you know, listened to... The kids whinge, cry, complain about X, Y, Z. And them being able to go, no, I know what's best for this kid. And I'm going to cop this abuse from this kid. And still send them to tutoring every week. Because I can see the bigger picture. And they sacrificed that. They sacrificed their time, their money. And they could have so easily been... They could have so easily just said, Okay, are you sure you hate it that much? Alright, don't do it then. And that would have set me back so much. An incredible amount. If they said... If they gave in to my whinging... I would be a completely different person to who I am now. So I'm incredibly grateful for my parents focusing their energy and not letting me give up on my own academic career. And it's really shaped who I am. It's developed so many of the skills that I still use now, that I used in university and that I use at a workplace. So I'm going to wrap this episode up. I hope you really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed talking about it. I really think that the process of, you know, going to selective school, not going to selective school, and the whole high school period really shaped who I am. Um, And also doing tutoring really shaped who I am today. And I really hope you enjoyed that episode. And I really hope you stay tuned for next week for the next episode. Lovely. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.